If you're, a, if you're a visitor here this morning, wondering about the pastor who's up front trying to get everybody's attention, I'll just say, yes, this is every Sunday. This, this is exactly how it goes. We're not doing anything special. This is, uh, this is how it goes. So yeah, so if you're, uh, if you're out in the lobby, make your way on back into the sanctuary. And if you're in here, get your Bible out and open to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be continuing a series that we just began entitled A King Like No Other. Uh, we're going through the book of, of Matthew together. And so if this is one of your first times at Mercy Hill, this is kind of what we do. Uh, we'll go through a, a, a passage, uh, several passages at one time uh, over the course of many months. So right now we've just started the book of, of Matthew and we're going to be working through that together. Uh, so you came at a great time uh, and basically right here at, at the beginning uh, as we do the second half of Matthew 1 this morning. So I had an idea uh, a few months back to take my wife Tiffany to a concert and I knew it was somebody that she wanted to see. We would have a good time together. So, you know, I did the research, went, went online and, and I bought the tickets, right? And uh, when I did that, I, I you know, got the, got the information, put it on the calendar so that we'd be sure to, to go. And then you know how it goes. You kind of forget about it for a little while, right? I mean, it was like five months in advance, right? Uh, but then I start getting emails from Ticketmaster. Uh, and and they're, they're giving me these reminders of, of what's going on. And did you know now you don't get paper tickets anymore? Like you, ha- you have to use the app, right? I didn't have the app. So I had to download the app, learn this thing, Right. And and then, I mean, they probably sent me 10 emails reminding me, like, make sure you come to the right gate. Make sure you come on time. Make sure you've downloaded your tickets in advance so that you've got them on the app. Make sure you know how to use the app. All these kinds of things. Right. So I was I was good to go. uh, And and so the day before the concert, I just thought, you know what, let me let me check one more time, make sure make sure we're good. So I go to my events on the app, you know, and it says your past events. Huh? What do you mean my past events? So I, so I scroll and I, and I see, and this was on a Thursday and I see that the concert was on a Sunday. I said, what? So I went and checked my calendar and the calendar was showing me that, yep, it's on Thursday. So I went, Back to the app, it said, no, it was three days ago. So I went and checked the tickets that said it was three days ago. I went and checked the emails that all said it was three days ago. I went and checked the receipt from way back in the day that said it was three days ago, dummy. It didn't say dummy, but that's kind of how I was feeling at the time. Despite all the reminders, despite all the, you know, ten emails that we spent... You know, Ticketmaster did the best they could to get me at the right place at the right time, and I missed it. Yes, because I'm, this is the same guy who, who once missed my airplane because I got to the airport on time. The wrong airport. Yep, yep. Uh, if you're trying to fly out of Dulles, the, the hint is don't go to Reagan. Um, so why did I miss, why did I miss that? Because every time I got those tickets, I... I didn't perceive my need, right? I just thought, I've already got the date. I know when that is. I got it safely in the calendar. I'm good to go there. 
Uh, what do I not know? Oh, I've got to get this, you know, app stuff taken care of or, or whatever. I came to the tickets expecting I had the right date. My expectations kind of blinded me to what was right in front of me. I mean, it was right there and it was right there over and over and over again. And yet my expectations kept me from seeing it. Has that ever happened to you? Your expectations will keep you from seeing something? Friend, I think that of all that we could study as as Christians, as all we could gather in a church to study, Christmas is the one that most presents that danger. Because we come in already knowing what's on the ticket. We come in already knowing what it says. We've heard this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need this reminder again. And we can we can fail to match up real needs in us to what's really right in front of us. And you know, Matthew, the author of the book that we're in, he knows that human tendency, and that's why he wrote this first chapter. He wrote this to work on the expectations of his readers. He knew the original readers, the the Jews who he first wrote to, they were expecting a Messiah. They had certain expectations as to what a Messiah would look like, and he knew if they put those categories on Jesus, they would miss the real Jesus in front of them. They would miss who he really was. And so this morning, and really, if I could just exhort us, over the next 10 days or four days or however long we have until Christmas, <laughs> over, over the next several days, let, let, let's pay attention to the Jesus in front of us. Let's, let's, let's not forget that there really is still need within us for, what's, for what he brings, for what's before us this morning in the text. So let's ask, even as we start, we're going we're gonna to read Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18. But before we do, let's just go to the Lord and ask that he would give us fresh eyes to see him. Father, thank you for sending your son for us. What a marvelous mystery and gift that is. We ask now that you would send your spirit to work in us. Open our eyes, Lord. Help us not miss the need in us for this and the way that Jesus meets our greatest need. Give us fresh eyes as we approach you this morning and be at work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 1 Verse 18 down through the end of the chapter. God's word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. God's Word. We're going to consider this this morning uh, under three headings as we kind of move our way through the passage, considering how Jesus came. So first, he came as a human. He came as a human. The passage begins like this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. So Matthew is telling us where, where we're going, right? He's going to tell us the story of how Jesus was born. And then he introduces us to, to Mary and to Joseph and the fact that they were betrothed. So betrothal is a kind of really serious engagement. All right, we don't have anything exactly like it today, but it was engagement plus the kind of legal, legally binding stuff that we would typically associate with marriage today. So pretty, pretty significant. Uh, the, the woman was called wife. The man was called husband. Um, and they didn't live together yet. They hadn't come together physically yet. But aside from those realities, uh, they were, they were uh, united. Uh, so they were betrothed to each other. And this was the situation that, that Mary and Joseph were in. And it was in that situation that Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're familiar with, you know, the other texts, this one doesn't talk about it, but the other ones do. You know, Mary was given warning, right? God sent an angel to Mary. She knew uh, that, that the Holy Spirit was going to, to produce in her this, this baby. Uh, Joseph didn't get that. He didn't get that warning, did he? And so I, I find the, the wording interesting. She was found to be with child. I mean, that, that, that's just Wow, you, you, you try to put yourself in that situation of what that was like, what that was like for, for her parents, for those around her. I mean, the, the wording she's found, I mean, it's, she, it became obvious that she was pregnant. And to Joseph, this, of course, it could only mean one thing. It would mean that she had been unfaithful to him. And so he was considering breaking off the engagement due to her infidelity. But then, of course, as he's kind of waiting to, to consider what's best to do. The Lord sends his angel to Joseph with the remarkable news that what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, it takes an angel saying that to you to, to believe it, you know? That what wonderful news as he heard this. First of all, that God is at work in some kind of an amazing way. God's at work in a, in a powerful way, uh, now in, in Mary and, in, and soon to be in our family. But just as a human to hear that and go, oh, wow. Well, that's great. She wasn't unfaithful to me. Oh, what wonderful news. And then, of course, the angel directs that they go ahead and get married and that he name the baby boy. Now, this direction to Joseph, to name the baby, was, was really significant. Obviously, it gives... The baby, a name, right? But it's, it's bigger than that because the only people that could name the baby were either the mom or the dad. And typically it was the father in the situation. So for Joseph to step up and to name the boy is to, is to say, I'm going to be his dad. So in today's language, it would be uh, Joseph adopts this guy. Adopt him into your home. You be his dad. You take care of him. Now, this was, of course, God's provision for the baby Jesus, right? 
he would grow up with a father. He would grow up with one who's taking care of him and, and providing for his needs and all those kinds of things. Uh, but, but it's even bigger than that in, in like the history of salvation. Because look at, look at back in the, the passage in verse 20. As the angel talks on behalf of God to Joseph, he, he uses this title for Joseph. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. So he uses this, this title, Joseph of the line of David. Joseph, who's, who's the heir of kings. Joseph of the kingly line. I want, I, want you to, I want you to adopt this one into the kingly line. I, I want you to adopt this one so that this one will be of the line of David. So that this one will have the right to sit on the throne of David one day. It's, it's Joseph's obedience that, that actually positioned Jesus into the line of, of David. And then it says that, that all this happened to fulfill prophecy, right? It says in verse 23, takes us back to what had been said in, in Isaiah 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The virgin would conceive and bear a son, and now this is what God has done. He announced it in advance, and now he's, he's bringing this to pass in the person of Jesus. So in, in the coming of Christ, there's this mingling of the ordinary and the miraculous together. It, both, both pieces are there. Ordinary, a, a human baby being born from a woman with a biological mom, an adopted dad, living in a certain place in a certain time. You know, Matthew, I think it goes without saying, but let's say it, presents this as history, right? as happening, as, as, as reality, as, as, a, as a person being born. Jesus came as a, a human, and yet it's just miraculous all around the ordinary, you know? There's just uh, God is at work. And so that's, the, that's our point number two. So number one, Jesus came as a human. Number two, he came by divine initiative, by divine initiative. So while Mary and Joseph had obviously significant, prominent roles in what's going on, all the initiative here was from God. All the, all the let's get this done was from God. Consider what God did. First of all, God planned this, right? He planned this from long ago. Even here in the text, we've got a prophecy from Isaiah, which was hundreds and hundreds of years prior. God knew he would do this from long ago. In fact, if we go to other places in the Bible, we'll see like in Ephesians, uh, we learn that God planned this before he created the world. So th- this, was, this was deep from before the beginnings of time, planning in the mind of God to send his son at just the right time. So this, this planning, we can note, happened without any human help. Happened without any human input. There was nobody asking God to do this or recommending that God do this. Jesus was coming to meet the biggest need of humanity, and humanity never thought to ask for it. Never thought to suggest it. Never, never got on their knees and said, would you please, God, do this? And yet, independent of all of that, God, perceiving the need, 
planned to send his son. And then, of course, in the fullness of time, he acted to send his son. Mary was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. You know, it makes me, makes me think of that time that God had one time before and long ago. Reached down, got his fingers dirty in the clay and formed a man and breathed life into Adam. And so here again, God reaches down and forms a new life in the womb of Mary and breathes life into the one who would be named Jesus. The second Adam has come. Then, of course, God God does this activity, but he's also busy speaking at this time. He spoke long ago through the prophets saying that this would happen. But then now he's sending angels, right? And Mary had an angel come and see her. And in, in this passage, we see the, the, the angel coming and speaking to Joseph. He's giving his people what they need, right? Joseph needed this. <laughs> Joseph needed to know what was going on here so that he could fulfill the role that he had to adopt Jesus into his home to marry Mary and to, to form a family. So God was speaking both in the past and in the present. There's a lot of divine initiative going on around the coming of Christ into the world. And Matthew is highlighting that for all of his readers. And it's meant to make us ask questions about Jesus. I know, you know I'm, I'm preaching to a church this morning. So most of you have already answered these questions. But some haven't. Some haven't answered these questions. Now, for, for thousands of years, Christians have answered the kind of questions that Matthew asks in here by saying, yep, Jesus is human and he's also God. He's the Son of God. But notice, Matthew doesn't, he doesn't really answer that yet. At least he's not pushing that answer yet. But he's giving us enough to make us ask some serious questions. Who is this Jesus? Who is this that's born of a virgin? Who is this that the angels are sent from heaven to announce and to make sure that the right stuff is happening at the right time? Who is this new messenger that has come? He's going to be in the line of David. Is he, what kind of king is this one going to be? And what is this name, Emmanuel, all about? What, is this, what does this mean? At, at the very least, you, you look at that, he will be called Emmanuel. Okay, well, well maybe God is sending such a, a, a great person to help us that it's as if God is with us. Or maybe in the person God's sending us, God is in that person with us. And that's where that's where Matthew is is stretching the Jewish expectations as as Jesus comes into the world came by divine initiative. Matthew isn't done yet. He has this biggest expectation adjusting point still ahead. So Jesus came through human instruments and by divine initiative. He came to save his people, number three. He came to save his people. Matthew holds the best to the end. He ends with these words at the end of the chapter, and he called his name Jesus. 
he called his name Jesus. This was, this was Joseph's um, act of obedience, right? The, the angel had directed him what to do. Uh, back up in verse uh, 20, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. She'll call his name Jesus. Now, Jesus is actually the same uh, name as as Joshua. If you were to look in the the Greek or in the Hebrew, Old Testament, New Testament, both of them, it's the same name. So in English, it's kind of strange. We have two different names of Jesus and Joshua. They didn't. It's, it's, It's the same name. right? So it's as if you should call his name Joshua. So Joshua, of course, do you remember the Old Testament, Joshua, right? What he came and what, what he did. He brought salvation to God's people, taking them out from the wilderness and into the promised land. He came conquering God's enemies, uh, came up to, to the walls of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down, right? So this is what Joshua had come to do. And the neat thing about that man that God used to, to save his people his name meant salvation. That's what Joshua means. It means salvation. So you can think as you're reading your Old Testament, you know, this is it's just one of the disadvantages because we're, we speak English, right? But when they said the word Joshua, they were saying the word salvation. Who is it that knocked down the walls of Jericho? Salvation did. Who led us into the promised land? Salvation led us in. And this is the name that Jesus is to be called. His name is, is first Joshua. He is the new Joshua. Coming to redeem his people, coming to rescue his people, coming to be a conqueror, a king, a leader for his people. And his name is salvation. And that, that's why it's, it's said this way. You shall call him Jesus for he will save. That's why his name is this, because he is coming to save. But this is where the, the Jewish expectations of a Messiah needed big, the biggest adjustment. Because what it says he's going to come and do is to save his people from their sin. They were expecting a conqueror and a king and a deliverer. And yes, one day Jesus will return and, and wear that crown and conquer as king. But in this coming of Christ. That's not what he came to do. They had they had wrong expectations, and in a way their expectations were too low for what Jesus came to do. They expected delivery from external enemies, but God had something bigger in mind. They expected a deliverance from a temporary foe, but God had something bigger in mind than that. They expected help against physical danger. God had something better. Jesus wasn't coming to, to conquer kingdoms. He wasn't coming to overthrow rulers or to change governments. He wasn't coming to save his people from sinners. He was coming to save his people from sin. From their sin. From the sin that was within them. Any Joshua could come and save them from the sinners around them. Only Jesus could come and save them from the sin within them. Jesus came not to subdue the enemies all around God's people, but to subdue the enemy right inside of God's people. 
That's what he came to do. Sin is that which causes us to run from what's best for us and embrace what's worst for us. Sin is that which makes us hate what's good and love what's evil. Sin is that which brings our shame. It keeps us in the shadows, burdens our conscience, hardens our souls. It's sin that God is opposed to, which He's committed to eradicate, which He will punish on the last day. God hates sin, yet His people have loved sin. Generation after generation, born in it, walking in it, committing it, stuck in it, yet clinging to it. And this is the great enemy of God's people. And this is the enemy that God put in the crosshairs in the sending of Christ. This was the evil that he was committed to destroying. The evil within his own people. Not some kind of minor salvation, a temporary salvation, but a major eternal salvation for his people. Friends, this this is where Jesus changes everything. This is where we can this is where we can we can look at the ticket and and forget what what we need on here. Yeah. Friend, I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. We need this every day. This is our hope every day. And you know it's easy if you're walking through something really hard, if you're walking through a prolonged sickness, it is really easy to begin to feel and think as though the, the greatest need we have is, is being healed from this. It's, it's really easy to feel that way. If, if, you're, if you're suffering in another way, to really, really want the suffering to end, that's what it is to suffer, is to want the suffering to end. Friend, in, in the eradication of sin from within God's people, all those other things are eventually included. Not all of them are included in this life and right now, but they are all included in Jesus. All of them. When, when he eradicates sin, once that's gone, now there's room for healing. Now there's room for fellowship. Now there's room for restored relationship with one another, restored relationship with God. Now there's room for, for joy. Now there's room for blessing instead of, instead of God's punishment. So salvation is what Jesus came to bring. So when God sent Jesus into the world, he didn't send him for some kind of minor salvation. He came to save his people from their greatest enemy, from their sin. So Joseph, name him Jesus because I've got a mission for him to be about. Joseph, name him Jesus because he has a job to do. Joseph, name him Jesus. He has a purpose to fulfill. And I want you to call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Not like, uh, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. You know? Not like, oh, he might do it, or he's gonna at least get halfway there. No. He is going to save his people from their sins. He will fulfill the purpose that I've given him to fulfill. Not he might save. He will save his people. Let me ask you this morning, are you one of God's people this morning? Because while this promise is wonderful, he will save his people. It is also his people whom he will save. 
Are you one of his people? Notice, notice, friend, when I ask you that, that it is that he came to save his people from their sin. He didn't come to save good people. He came to save sinful people. But he did come to save those who were looking for salvation and looking to him for salvation. Friend, are you looking to Christ for salvation? If, 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 you're, not, if you're not sure, if you don't know, if you know you have, let me invite you this Christmas season Look to the Lord and ask Him to save you. Admit who you are. Don't hide who you are. Admit who you are. This is, I know of no other place in the world that we can be honest about who we are except in front of the cross of Jesus Christ. We can bring all the dirt, all the bad thoughts, all the bad actions, put it right on the table because He came to save sinners. Glory to God that. Be honest before a holy God because he came to to save, not to judge. Let me encourage you, if you've never done that, to do that. Between now and Christmas, let this be the first Christmas where you know Jesus. Listen, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved because he will save his people from their sin. He doesn't miss anybody. Nobody falls through the crack. So look to him for your salvation. And saints, I want us to to kind of close here in a minute by considering and marveling at what God did when he sent Jesus. When he sent the one named salvation. When he sent the one named Savior. And what, what I mean to say is that the one who came in the manger was the one who was sent to do this. I want us, I want us to back up one, one step from the figures in the passage of the Mary and the Joseph, the angels and the baby in, in the manger and, and to consider God. Again, behind all of this. Because Jesus didn't just show up one day. He was sent by God for this purpose. He came not by the will of man, not by the plan of man, not according to the request of man or the hopes of man. He came by divine initiative alone. It was God who planned the salvation of his people. It was God who dreamed it, who considered it, who decided to send Jesus into the world. It was God who announced it hundreds of years before in prophetic uh, writings. It was God who sent the angel. It was God who placed His Son in the womb of Mary. It was God. Friend, if you are saved this morning, it was God. It was God who worked your salvation. There's nothing in here about humans planning anything The coming of Christ came about because of the goodness of God. If you are saved, it's because of the knowledge of God. In seeing before creation was even begun that you would need it. If you're saved today, it's because of the wisdom of God. In not just seeing your need, but then formulating a plan whereby you, who had offended God, could be saved by God. What wisdom! He had in conceiving this plan. If you're saved this morning, it is because of the activity of God in sending His Son into the world. If you're saved this morning, it's because of the love of God in deciding to send His own Son on behalf of ruined sinners. And if you are saved today, it's because of the mercy of God in inviting you into what He's done in saving whom He calls His people from their sin.
Salvation was born on Christmas morning. Your salvation was born on Christmas morning. Who was at work in the coming of Jesus? It was God. So friend, over the next several days, let's let our hearts be filled with praise and gratitude for what God has done for us. That God has sent His Son. All glory to God in this. You think about what, what He's done, right? It was His thoughts and yeah, His wisdom, yeah, His plan, His love, His mercy, His goodness, His activity, His glory. His glory. Glory, this is why the Scripture says, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Let our hearts be full of praise this Christmas as we consider what God has done in sending the one named Savior to save us from what we most needed saving from. Let's pray. Lord, if there are any here that are the, perhaps for the first time just recognizing that they've got the wrong date from the ticket, thought they knew, thought they had the right expectations and have missed it. Lord, would you just open eyes? None would walk out of here failing to see our need for Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone looking to you for the first time, oh Lord, give them strength. Draw them to yourself. And Lord, I pray that you would just kindle in us afresh gratitude and praise at what you have done. You have done great things for us. And holy is your name. You are worthy of praise and honor. So tune our hearts to sing your praise, Lord, as we celebrate the coming of Christ. We ask in your name. Amen.